This episode is in support of the British Red Cross. Disasters and emergencies can strike at any time and anywhere. With millions of volunteers across 192 countries, the British Red Cross is part of a movement that's there for people as soon as a crisis happens. Your support means they can reach anyone, anywhere, with the help they need to get through it. For example, in the UK, when an emergency like a flood hits, your support means the British Red Cross is there to give the all-important emotional support people often need. Help organise cleanups and provide them with food and fresh water. And as conflict in Ukraine tears lives apart, your support means the Red Cross movement has reached over 5 million people so far, helping families evacuate providing medical assistance and giving a warm meal and a listening ear for people to talk about their experiences. But without the kind of people who support the British Red Cross, their work wouldn't happen. You make what the Red Cross do possible. It starts with you. So, support the British Red Cross at redcross.org.uk. Thank you. Hello, and welcome. Every once in a while a movie comes along so big, you have to sit back a bit and take it all in. Producer Irving Allen had just such a project with Genghis Khan, which had been knocking around studios and distributors since early 1962. Once he got his hands on it, he set out to make it a blockbuster so big it could be seen clearly from space right next door to the Great Wall of China. I was also concerned about how to pronounce the character, Genghis with a J or Genghis with a G. Turns out it's Genghis with a G, I know. These are the kind of details that allow a story like this to be accepted by the moviegoer. Sadly, the production team, and in particular the writers, producers and director, decided to take a great deal of artistic license with the story. Take, for instance, the casting. Who better to play the founder of the great Khan of the Mongol Empire than the Egyptian actor Omar Sharif? It gets better. The man who sits at Khan's right hand is Cam Ling, played, quite obviously, by James Mason. Khan's mentor is played by... Uh, Sir Michael Horton, and the Emperor of China is played by none other than Robert Morley. <laughs> yes, Robert Morley. I don't know why he said I, I would have made. I think if he'd taken a more positive attitude and said I may make a very excellent Pope. I'm very young to be Pope still. Oh. I'm only uh, 61, and Pope's usually about 70 when they start. There's slight trouble that I'm not a Roman Catholic, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh, I indeed don't believe in any religion, but I, if I was, if they insisted that I should become Pope, yes. I would submit. Yes, I would like a go at Pope. I would like a go at most things. <laughs> I think it would be very nice, very pretty town, Rome, and I could do a good deal. I would probably be the last Pope. And with a voice like that, he was an absolute shoe-in for the role of the Chinese Emperor. Just to give you a flavour and size and grandeur of the whole thing, here's the trailer, where they sell it on a massive scale. 
Mighty are the conquerors who have swept through history, but no Napoleon or Caesar more mighty than the Prince of Conquerors, Genghis Khan. Many are the actors who have achieved stardom, but none have rocketed more surely or sensationally to the highest galaxies than the Academy Award nominee of Lawrence of Arabia, Omar Sharif. Outcast. Slave. Born a slave I never was. Born to rule the Yasugai was always in my stars. And not only one tribe, but people of many tribes were destined to follow me, to fight my battles, conquer nations. All this was in my stars. And to bring to life the full sweep and magnitude of such a story, a cast of towering stature. Stephen Boyd at last finds a role as mighty as the part that brought him international attention in Ben-Hur. If I were free from this yoke, my hands would stir your jackal breath forever. So would I! Put this animal back in his cage. James Mason crowns his gallery of unforgettable characters with his wily interpretation of the Chinese ambassador. Perhaps once in many centuries does the world produce a man with the power and the will equal to his vision and destiny. Genghis Khan is such a man. Eli Wallach caps his Broadway and Hollywood achievements with his most devilish creation. You and I will ride together against this Genghis Khan. We will crush this wolf, this thirster after blood, this corrupt defiler of women, this scavenger. And as the Emperor of China, one of the world's most distinguished men of the theater, Robert Morley. But the girl whose beauty will enslave the conqueror, France's newest star, Françoise Doria. The conqueror of the Prince of Conquerors. Listen to me, Temujin. Hear me well. There are only two things you can do with Jamoka. Put him under the ground. For all time. Or put him at your side. Where the story was set, so went the cameras. The Great Wall of China. The splendor of an emperor's palace. Here indeed are scenes of unequaled beauty and spectacle unparalleled in any motion picture. Are you a Bonfang? I mean, really a Bonfang. If you enjoy dreaming of what 1991 and 1993 Tim Dalton films would have looked like. Or, if you have a degree in Octopussy, but still don't know which Fabergé egg is a fake. Then the Really 007 podcast is for you. Really 007. We bring an insightful, critical, and silly take on the James Bond films. We are proudly part of the Pod Dojo Network and are available for free on iTunes and Spotify. We have regular, in-depth reviews of every Bond film, as well as special episodes on different aspects of the series. And some of us are a bit down on the Craig era. Robert, 
while others are happy to pretend to dislike things just to get cheap laughs. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and join in on the James Bond conversation online. Really don't Ten years before, John Wayne had played uh, Genghis Khan in the film Conqueror and one of the things that was applauded were the exciting battle scenes. Irving Allen and director Henry Levin both knew that this part of the movie was a massive score at the box office. It needed to be exciting. So in the phone book under E for excitement, they found Bob Simmons. If he could do to this picture what he'd done to practically every other picture he'd worked on, then the public would love it. Bob Simmons took a core team to Yugoslavia to film the action scenes, and when he got there, several hundred action extras were brought in and taught how to screen fight using swords. Yugoslavs' finest stuntmen were brought in to assist with the horse stunts. These men included uh, Milan Belli and Dragomir Stanovic. The film was cut by one minute and three seconds by the UK censor upon release. This stayed in place until the DVD release of 2013. The edits were for partial nudity. Uh, there is some, but it's mostly for horsefalls, and there are plenty of them. Now, the reason for this is the nature of the horsefalls themselves. In 1965, you could bring down a horse a number of ways. On the bit was the most popular and is used quite a bit in the picture. The right or left rein is pulled, turning the horse's head to the point of no return, and this causes the horse to overbalance and lie down. Filmed at speed, it resembles the horse falling. The horses are trained for months on end to get them to do this on cue. The other fall in the picture is where an explosion will go off, and the horses fall to the ground at the gallop. Now, back in 1965, this was done using a device caused, called a running W. It's a technique where two wires are attached to hobbles on the horse's forelegs. These are uh, leather. They cup the horse's forelegs. There's a wires run up, up the legs of the horse over its shoulders, crossing under the saddle, and the free end of those two wires are firmly anchored some distance out of shot. But the problem here is the anchorage points. Now, they can be uh, stakes driven into the ground, trees, or a heavy vehicle. The length of the wires must be sufficient for the horse to be brought to the gallop. And when the horse reaches the full extent of the wires, usually moving at something over 25 miles an hour, the wires suddenly arrest the movement, and the forelegs come up, and it falls in a very dramatic manner, usually on its chin or on its head. Now, I've studied the footage carefully, and at first I thought it was a device called a toe tapper, which, although similar to the running W, takes out the fixed anchor point and allows the stunt rider to control the fall from the saddle by pulling a cable tucked down by the saddle, which causes the horse to fall. But having watched the footage, it's very clear that the riders are just passengers. They're not in control of these falls at all, so this is all W. Now that you know this, and the nature of these falls makes a great deal more sense, it should also make sense to know that these methods were outlawed and consequently banned. 
the Running W in the late 70s and the Toe Tapper in the late 80s. Nowadays, if horses are brought down in a similar way, they're often mechanical horses. They can be filmed uh, mounted on a stretch of short track and will arrive at a certain point surrounded by real horses. In that type of scenario, the mechanical horse will be the only one that falls and CGI will do the rest. CGI has been a big part of replacing these types of physical falls. The quality of post-production is now so high that in some circumstances CGI horses can be added and will do the falls without any living creature at all. Now Bob Simmons, as stunt coordinator, was able to create mass horse falls for the film using the Yugoslavian stunt boys. Men who over time had been consistent in providing exactly what was required. Bob was able to tell the director that there was no possibility of take two, so the director should have a number of different cameras running at the same time to get it from as many different angles as possible. This will allow the editor to use the same horse falls on different occasions during the battle sequences, simply by using different camera shots. For doubling purposes, Bob doubled Omar uh, for one of the riding sequences, and Alf Joint doubled him jumping from the top of a waterfall, and there is also a sequence where uh, Alf jumps from a tower, which is being knocked over by... Uh, a horse-drawn carriage, and that carriage uh, is ablaze. And those are the only two occasions where Alf is used. The remaining time for all of these mass falls is the Yugoslavian stunt team. 